everyone. Good to see you. Hey, uh, some exciting, a lot of exciting things. I'm going to try to run through real quick. On your way in, you probably saw these shoe boxes. They are, there's no shoes in them. You probably checked. Who checked them for shoes? A girl. Oh, no, Chad did. Chad did. And some other ladies. I saw some ladies over there saying, well, maybe they're giving shoes out today. No. So we're actually asking you to fill these. Take one, fill it. There's a pamphlet on the wall. You can take a picture of it so you don't lose it. No excuses. You can immediately go home, get on Amazon, order the items. We have a sample box over there for you. Go to Walmart, whatever you'd like to do. Here's what we're doing is we're trying to provide Christmas for 100 children around the world somewhere. There will be people that go, uh, connected to Samaritan's Purse, that will go and hand deliver these. Part of the ministry, part of local. They'll work through local ministries that they're partnering with. They will deliver the gospel. They will spend time with each one of the kids in a group form. And at the end, they will hand these boxes to them that will be full of gifts that are coming from you here in Athens, Texas. And so we, if you'll bring these back on November, by November 11th, we will pay for the postage and send those out, okay? You'll see a little spot here that says place your label here. There are little labels that are at the, near the desk as well, and it basically says it's for a boy or for a girl. If you'll itemize that, we don't want anybody being confused, right? And so <laughs> let's get it straight and, and make sure you check the right box and so that all works out really well. So there's that. November 11th, take it today, return by November 11th, we will pay for postage, send it out, okay? Everybody good? All right, we got 100, you can see the stack of boxes that are left. So I, I think we have just enough people where we can take one box and get rid of them all today. It'd be perfect. And then next week, we will not be meeting here. We're going to be meeting at the Kane Center. We have our Love Thy Neighbor. Yes, come on. There will be worship at 11 a.m. If you are volunteering, if you can volunteer, would love to volunteer, please sign up. As you go out in front of the garage door there, we will provide you a serve team shirt to show up with at that day, next Sunday, at 9 a.m. if you're doing a morning serve. If you're later, it's okay. Show up a little bit later before your time of serving. 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you want to do, don't worry about doing it all day. Have fun. The goal is that we connect with the body of Christ, one, but people that are far from God, we're going to be busting in people from apartment complexes, neighborhoods, etc. We want to build relationships. We want to love them where they are and help them become all God created them to be. That's our mission statement here at Thrive. But we will have worship at 11 a.m. And then again around 4 p.m. there will be another message with worship all day that there's going to be worship teams rotating outside. And so there's going to be a lot of fun for kids. There's going to be five bounce houses, face painting, lots of games, pony rides, a lot of stuff. We are going to be uh, making brisket tacos, which is going to be excellent, by the way, if I do say so myself. That's worth coming in itself. Just come get a brisket taco and head on home, whatever you want to do. But then at around five-ish or so, I'm not sure the time, it'll be later after the last message, we're going to have an airplane come through and do a candy drop. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss that part right there. Just to see it. If you don't have kids, you want to see this take place. It's going to be funny. We'll see how it goes. Lord, pray the Lord covers us there. But anyway... Next weekend, we won't be here. We won't be here, guys. Just remember, Kane Center, 
9 a.m. if you're serving early. Please help us get set up. We'll be serving food. Meet under, underneath the awning as you pull in. Uh, there, with the, the Kane Center has been completely remodeled. You'll get to see the inside of it. We've rented the whole space, and so it'll be, it's going to be pretty nice. It's going to be really nice. So, okay, there's that. And I hope you brought your notes for pain from pain to purpose because we're going to add to those notes today. We have a lot to cover, but this is probably the most user-friendly message of the series. I'm, I'm telling you, I just dumb it down, put it on the cookies on the bottom shelf. You can leave today, and you'll realize you'll, you'll be able to walk in blessing. It's easy. The only hard part is the application. So if you can get the application down and actually apply and tr- truly do it, man, you're going to grow, you're going to prosper, you're going to be, you're going to realize how many blessings you actually already have. Um, so we're talking about from pain to purpose, we're talking about the story of Joseph and every one of us, I think we realize, even though we've endured some pain, we all have a calling on our lives. God has, God has created us with purpose and his desire is that we kind of go through this maze of life with him as our GPS so that we actually find and discover and fulfill our purpose in life, our God-given purpose in life. And let me, let me just tell you, the world has a purpose for you, and, and God has a purpose for you. And, and sometimes we can just be just a little bit off course, and we're in the, we end up doing good things, like really good things, but it's still yet the world's purpose for your life. However, Maybe you're fulfilling the world's purpose for your life, and just with a few minor tweaks, you can actually turn that around, and you're actually honoring God, blessing God, and fulfilling God's purpose through that. And so this is a really, I mean, it's a, it's a very small one-degree, two-degree thing. And so uh, I, I feel led to tell you, this week I, I spent a friend, uh, some time with a friend of mine, multimillionaire, young guy, 35 years old, love him. I've known him half of his life. I've discipled him in the, at, at, when he started turn 18, 19, 20. But he, he, went after, he went after his, uh, his, his, his talents, his giftings. His, he went after what God had put in his heart, I think, to do, really, to, disco- to discover his purpose. We, we took him, we went on mission trips together a lot. He was doing amazing things with kids. God began to bless him and bless him and bless him. He's got one of the largest meal workshop in, workshops in uh, Austin, Texas, 98,000 square feet of of woodworking, of, of metalworks, and stoneworks now. It's phenomenal going through there and seeing this. It's phenomenal having watched all of this from him working in a little garage, making mesquite spoons, and occasionally cabinets. It, it's been phenomenal. But I sat with him, a close friend. He, 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 loved, he knows I love him. I sit with him, and I hear his story. He says, Nathan, I got my food cooked for me. I have all my vehicles paid for. I've got my own business. I've got, I've got everything you can, my house in another country. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And yet still, I feel unfulfilled. There's something missing. It's God's purpose in his life to be fulfilled. There, there's a longing and there's a, there's a miss, there's a disconnect. And he's not far off. And, and I'm burdened for a friend of mine who I love so much and I've known for 18 years or so. The, the, the heart behind that of, I wonder, I wonder who else could be like that. I wonder how many other people we know 
I wonder how, how hard it is to get just a little bit off and you're going after something and you feel so successful in life and yet in the end of the day, unfulfilled. Well, that's what we're trying to confront. That's what we're gonna overcome. That's what we're gonna move beyond. And that's what we're gonna begin to open up our eyes to as we talk about the palace test. The palace test. And we're talking about the story of Joseph. And in Genesis 36, 39, one through six, we, we move into this story of talking about when Joseph moves into the palace. He's got everything. Got it all taken care of. Got a lot of responsibility, a lot of authority, a lot of money. Got it all. But then the test, there's a test that's embedded within that. And let's talk about that as we discover. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites were actually... uh, the, the descendants from Abraham's son out of the flesh with Hagar, Ishmael, which was Isaac's brother. Isaac, Abraham was married to Sarah. God, God said that Sarah would have children, that Abraham, he would give Abraham children. And when it wasn't happening, Abraham took, and, Isaac, and Sarah actually encouraged it, took matters in their own hands and said, hey, here, here's my maidservant, Hagar, have a child with her. And and, and this is so parallel, so important that we get this because how many times when God has told us something, we're trying to take things into our own hands rather than trusting him with the process. And so here we are, and and even today, there's a a world war (laughs) over all of this, even today. And so number verse two says this, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. You need to, I want you to notice these. The Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. The Lord was doing it. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. Verse 5. So it was from the time that, time that he had made him overseer that his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Potiphar had so much, so, so, much, so, many, so many riches, so many things that Joseph was actually in charge of taking care of. And because the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was causing everything that Joseph touched to prosper. So much so that Potiphar, all he knew he had was at least that hamburger in front of him. He has so much. I don't know. I can't take an account for it. There's too much to account for. I know I've got this, this thing that's right in front of me. So let's bring some context into this. Now, he's, Joseph is Potiphar's second in command. He's calling all the shots. It wasn't long after this that we see Joseph is in the prison. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Even in prison, the prison, the jailer, the prison guard, the prison, uh, the leader of the prison, sees the hand of the Lord on Joseph and makes him leader of all of the jail system, the prison system. And then Joseph later gets out of prison and he ends up back in the palace with Pharaoh. 
And here Pharaoh sees the hand of the Lord on Joseph and puts him in as number two in charge of everything. So, so time after time, the, the hand of the Lord was on, the, on Joseph and the Lord caused everything he did to prosper. Look at this in Genesis 39, 23. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Like, like, wouldn't it be great to have so much trust from your oversight that they didn't have to look into anything in the what, of what you're doing because you're just doing it so excellently? And who, who wants some employees like that? <laughs> Chad, I see your hand again. again. Uh, uh, and everybody around here wants some employees like that. Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Man, can I get an Amen. So let me just ask you, would you be okay with prospering or being blessed in everything that you do? Like in, in, in your resources, in your finances, in your career, in your marriage, in your relationships, would you be okay if those were healthy and yet even beyond healthy prospering? I would. Like that's, that, that's a desire of my heart. And so, but how do we get there? Because here's what we're talking about. Do we go our own route? Our, what, do, we, do we do it the world's way, or do we follow the Lord and figure out how, Lord, do we get to this thing called purpose and fulfill it so that we, we feel fulfilled? Let me give you four keys. I'm telling you, cookies on the bottom shelf, you can't miss it. I'm throwing it out there. If you can't catch it, you got a, you got a hole in your glove. Cookies on the bottom shelf, four keys for you walking in the fullness of your purpose and in finding and prospering in life in general, in all areas of your life, prospering. Key number one is this. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you the answer first. I'm working all the way back to the start, okay? It's the presence of the Lord. As we saw time after time, the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused everything that he did to prosper. The, pre the presence of the Lord. Many times we saw this phrase, though. What we are not talking about is the hyper-prosperity uh, gospel where it says, hey, you're not blessed unless you're on an airplane in a Cadillac. It's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about a biblical form of prospering. We are talking about it. The problem is because of so much manipulation and so much hurt and, and around that type of gospel, people have gone completely away from any kind of biblical understanding of God prospering us. Well, we saw right here that God has no problem with prospering people that he loves, that, he, that are his children, that are following his methods. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break that down a little bit. But I'll, I'll, I don't think that God's, it's God's heart that everyone, that, that his children, that his focus is that his people be rich. That's not his focus. Okay, Can, just, just meet me there. I do believe that it's God's heart that we prosper in all things. But I don't think he's saying, well, I want every person to be rich in the world's standards. But I also want to catch you at, I don't think it's God's heart that his people, his children live in poverty either. And which that's, that's where most of the body of Christ is. And so there's somewhere we have to grab an understanding of what he has. And so this, is, this has been another spinoff. That the body of Christ has, has been angry at rich believers. That's not his heart. Because God is the one who put them in, in, in pro, to prosper them. That's true. And so let me, let me just catch you with some of these things as we go along. But he wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. 
The, the prospering that God gives us is so that we will, be, uh, we will help others in their areas of their times of need, their space of need. Uh, think about Abraham. Abraham is our father of faith. We talk about that. He was the father of Ishmael and Isaac. Well, he, God told him that you will be blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. And this is the same for us. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. But 63 times this word prosper is in the Old Testament, and it has a simple definition, really. And one time you see it with Samson, and Samson was needing a little help. And the word means to push along, to push forward. It literally means to describe the presence of the Lord would come alongside and push you forward in your time of need. Now, could you use a little pushing forward in your time of need whenever you're undergoing depression, anxiety, when your marriage is struggling, when you're wondering how your financial ends are going to be me? Could you need a little bit of the presence of the Lord to come through and push you forward? Because if you could and if you do, then you might believe in, the, in biblical prosper, prospering. And that's where God is trying to get us to where we are in his presence leaning on his presence, and he is coming alongside us and moving us forward in what we are doing. So the result of that movie, pushing forward assistance from God is to produce something in your life that will turn to bless others. God has blessed me so mightily, I can't help but to bless others. And, you, and, and once you start to live that life, you'll start to live fulfilled in the fact that you are able to be used to be a blessing to others. And there's no greater fulfillment there. And that's where we begin to see where there's a twist between worldly purpose and then God's purpose using yet even still a path that seemed like it was on the world's path. But what Satan means for evil, then God purposes for good. And so all it takes is a little bit of twist of me saying, wait a minute. I feel unfulfilled. Well, that's because I'm yet to be a blessing to others. But once I start to grab the heart that I am blessed to be a blessing, all of a sudden the thing that I'm doing over here is even more fulfilling because it's supplying something over here. Y'all will get it a little bit later. So if we walk with the Lord, we will prosper because in him is the fullness of blessings. So I want to find what we need to do is find out what God is doing and join him there rather than trying to get God to join us where we want to go. God, what are you doing? Let me join in with you, because that's where the blessings are. And God never removes his presence, but we can go away from his presence. God gave Adam a chance to repent. God gave Eve a chance to repent. God gave Cain a chance to repent, and Scripture says that he chose not to, and so he went away from the presence of the Lord. So when you walk with God, success is with you. And when you don't walk with God, uh, you're not going to be successful. And let me, just, you're, you're, let me catch you before you start thinking about the world's standards of success. And in reality, every person, individual has to define success for themselves because my success doesn't look like your success. Your success doesn't look like the next person's. However, you'll never fulfill fulfilled and successful unless it, it's combined with God's purpose on your life. And this is where fulfillment starts to come out. Fulfillment, God's fulfillment. So Genesis 26, 12, and 13 says this, Then Isaac sowed in that land, and this is Abraham's son, in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, I want to show you 
how God is not really concerned about what people think about him wanting to prosper his children. So look at this verse right here. Verse 13, then the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Now, this is, a, this is the Lord being with Isaac and prospering everything that he does. And so the Lord has no problem with prospering his people. That's not an issue. It's the world's twist on it, though. He has no problem with it. Look at here, Deuteronomy 29.9. Therefore, keep the words of his covenant and do them that you may prosper in all things that you do. Okay, there's another one, that you may prosper in all things that you do. Second, Second Kings 18.7, this was King Hezekiah. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. Third uh, John 2, verse 2, this is important for us. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, not in some things, but in all things, like I really want you to prosper in all things and be in health. But how's all that going to happen? As your soul prospers. As your soul prospers, so will your health. And so I desire in all things you are prospering. It starts with the soul and God's spirit doing a work in our spirit to, to cleanse our soul. It goes back to what we said during worship. That my soul needs some help. And my soul is only going to get that help whenever it's in the presence of the Lord. And it's only the presence of the Lord that's going to cause me to prosper and move me towards his purpose. And that's where I find true fulfillment in life. So I want you to grasp the understanding that God would like to reveal himself to the, through, through the world through you by prospering you so that you can bless others. He wants to push you forward, let me say it this way, in your career. He wants to push you forward in your relationship. He wants to push you forward in your, in your personal matters. He wants to push you forward in your finances. He wants to push you forward in, as it says, all things. Push you forward in all things. Even an unbeliever in Potiphar recognized the Lord's blessing on Joseph and put him into more authority because Potiphar's house was being blessed. Let me ask this. Does your employer believe that he is being blessed because you work for his company? That should be the answer for every believer. Yes, yes my employee thinks that they are being blessed and they are prospering because I work for them. That's what God is showing us in this experience through the life of Joseph. So if the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord, what is the key to the presence of the Lord? Like, I want to prosper, right? Can I, yeah, I want to prosper. And, and I, I want all things to grow in my life. I want the abundance that Jesus says that I will walk in because even Jesus said that I will have life and life more abundantly. Sounds like a good prospering to me that is better than it was and greater in all things. Well, what is the key to the presence of the Lord? The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Ooh, that fun word. My fave. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Obedience says I'm going to align myself. I'm going to conform to what God's word is saying even when I don't understand it. 
Obedience is immediate, as you've probably heard. It doesn't need you to, be, to prove itself. It doesn't need to tell you why. It doesn't need to say, here's how the outcome's going to turn out at the end of your life if you'll do all of these 500 steps. It just says, okay, Lord, if that's what you say, I will do it. And then it begins to fulfill itself in which you will find the why thereafter. Obedience, yay. Second Chronicles 17.3 says, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, and this is David's son, because he walked in the former ways of his father. 1 Samuel 18.14. I'm going to give you this verse, then I'm going to go backwards, and later I'm going to update it. 1 Samuel 18.14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Let me give you some adverse, two verses before, in the current, in the current king before, while David was there as well. It's the first Samuel 18, 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. But because of Saul's disobedience, the presence of the Lord was no longer on Saul. Saul took it into his own control. God told Saul to do something and not to do something and wait until Samuel, until he got there. Saul did his own thing. Samuel shows up, presence of the Lord no longer on Saul. Saul's jealous because he sees the presence of the Lord on David and everything that David was doing was prospering, was blessed, was moving forward. Yet Saul was his leader. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 28. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments, simple, like can't get it any more clear than this, of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. It's really simple. But let me stop and say, you have been saved by grace. Can't take it away. You've been saved. It was given to you. You couldn't earn it. But once you were saved by grace, you were saved unto works that reveal the grace that you have been saved by. <laughs> I have less amens on that one than I did the first one. But, but this comes not because you have to, but if salvation has come into your heart through repentance, then your spirit longs to do more for the Lord. And there, thus is the discontentment for those of us if you've yet to begin to do the more for the Lord that God has created you to and given you opportunity and empowerment and grace through that salvation moment. So there's a revelation of repentance and the showing the fruit of repentance, as Scripture would say. And when there's a breach between the fruit of repentance and the lifestyle that we live, there's a disconnect and it feels like we're in that maze between pain and purpose. I just feel lost. I just feel unfulfilled. I feel like I don't know, I'm not going anywhere. I feel like I don't know where I'm going. All of these thoughts and all of these things, all of these ruminations of the mind and the soul that are going on because yet we have yet to fulfill the fruit, the labor, the works, the good works that God has created us for beforehand, Ephesians 2.10. You find success into heaven through grace, but on earth and in order to succeed, you're going to have to walk in obedience. If you obey and walk with God, then you will find success. It doesn't mean that everything will go perfectly. It just means that God is pushing you forward through the storms of life. Then you will be most blessed on the other side. I'm going through a storm. Great. Hallelujah. I've got the Lord with me. It ain't looking good, but his presence is with me. It's going to look a lot better on the other side when you start looking back and you can celebrate saying, wow, Lord, only you only you. But guess what? Hallelujah. It's, prepare, it's preparing you for the very next thing that's coming. It's strengthening you. 
God is using the current storm to work things out of you and into, and, and into you in order to prepare you for the next storm of success that inevitably is coming. So, but this doesn't prove to the, this doesn't prove the, to the world how good you are. It proves how great God is. And the problem is if we get ourselves through their little storm on our own and our own will and our own power, we won't be ready for the next storm that's coming and we'll wonder, oh me, oh lamentations, why, woe, woe is me. But if we learn to lean into the Lord in the midst of those situations, we'll be ready to carry everything that God has for us coming forward in authority and responsibility. We'll be able to be to handle and carry the, the things that God is wanting to give us in that next season, that next phase of life. But it's going to take a humbling. It's going to take an obedience. Job 36, another man who knows a lot of some storms of life. Job 36, 11 says, if they obey and serve him, God, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die Without knowledge. Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper. He's basically saying if, you, if you're disobedient, prosperity is not, not, not going to come to you. It's not going to happen. The presence of the Lord. Obedience. Genesis 4, 16, then Cain went out. He went out. He went out from the presence of the Lord. All out of, he could have he repented. He could have repented. And everything would have been differently. So if the key to prospering is the Lord's presence and the key to the Lord's presence is obedience, what's the key to obedience? The key to obedience is faith. It's just faith. Like, i got to believe, right? I've got to believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, and then I'll be obedient no matter what or why he's saying to do, right? Like, if he's saying go, okay, Lord, I'm going. I don't need a, I don't need a, I don't need a thesis on why I'm going. I just need faith. That I need, I need some history with the Lord. I need some experience with the Lord. But I just need faith. Our greatest issue is, is not that we don't believe. We just don't believe that there are consequences for disobedience and that there's blessings for obedience. Put this in perspective. This is why it's so important for us to discipline our children diligently, consistently, because Scripture says that you spank a child and save them from hell. Right after it says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Everybody knows that one. But it literally means, it literally says in verse 14, follow. It says, spank a child, Proverbs 23, 14, and save them their lives from hell. Let me tell you, uh, I love that verse. <laughs> and I... I'm just trying to save my kids from hell. You know what? I have trained Naomi, my five-year-old, that I do not want her to go to hell. (laughs) She gets it. All I have to do is give a a clear warning now. Hey, you're you're about to get some spanking. No, 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 no. It's good. We're good. Like from the time they're two, two and a half, they they start to get a little rebellious. Give them a little swat. You start to you start to discipline starts to set in. Obedience starts to set in. Not perfect. But, but my second son, two and a half years old, he follows suit. He sees the fear of the Lord, <laughs> little L, in my daughter, and he responds with obedience. 
he's growing into this little phase where he's like saying no, trying to be rebellious, but I can see it in his, in his little eyes. He just wants to check the boundaries and see what he can get away with. But the moment I lean in, he understands the fear that's in, in his sister. And he says, okay, okay, daddy, okay, like, like I'm building the little dude's ego up and his self-esteem up. And, but at the same time, we're going to have some discipline in this house because I need to rescue him from hell. Right? And so even last week, Naomi got grounded. I said, hey, you, no, no screen time, no phones, no, uh, no, I told her no screen time for two days. I, she's like, oh, you know, lamenting, woe is me. Her soul is being crushed, right? Her spirit is being revived. Her soul is undergoing a crushing. Well, I said, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a deal with you. You can either get spankings right now and then you can have screen time or you can have no screen time for two days. Listen, that girl does not like spanking. She said, no, I'll, I'll do no screen time. I'm meeting them where they are in their level of maturity. There's still discipline in action, but there's going to be some discipline. You choose your discipline. What's it going to be? So it wasn't long the next day. She wanted to watch games, play games on her iPad, on her little pad. I said, no, no screen time. She said, oh, screened. I thought you said no yelling, no screen time. I said, girl, you... <laughs> Oh, she's five. And if it starts at five, whoo, wait till they're adults and trying to get away with things. So good news here, banner running across the top. If you have disobedient kids and you don't want to discipline, just bring them to me. I don't mind spanking other people's kids. We just want to raise up. We just want to raise up a generation and the way it should go. <laughs> Oh, man, Ephesians 6, 1, 3 says this, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for it is right. Honor your mother and father, your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Why? That it may be well with you and you may live long and on earth. Who didn't get spankings when you are growing up? It, it, uh-huh. It, it's showing. It's showing. There we go. It's showing. You got grounded. Well, did it work? No, sir. Well, see, <laughs> that rod was spared. <laughs> That child is spoiled. We're going to get Pastor Cass to get you lined up after a while. By, by the way, you probably don't want to live a long life if life is not going well for you. Like, just go ahead and kill me. Life is terrible. Well, somebody spared a rod. Honor your parents. Colossians 3, and 25 says, Bond servants, employees, Whatever, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. Not like when, they look, when they're looking, I'm really showing off and I'm working hard. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you, you're doing three times as much as you were the last hour. Whew. Giving them, get them eye service as men pleasers. But in sincerity of heart, fearing God. It's not about the individual that God has placed over you as a boss, as a manager, as an overseer. It's not even about them. It is literally the presence of God working in them to see and test your heart, to see how you're going to handle situations and circumstances to see if he can elevate you to the palace. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. You don't know my manager. I know God. And I know God can work beyond your manager. I know God can work beyond your boss. I know God can work beyond your employer. And whatever you do, verse 23 says this, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Ooh, that's such a test of the heart because all I can do is see the man or the woe man. And it challenges everything inside of me. 
And yes, that's exactly why God has them there to challenge everything inside of you. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for it. Verse 25. And I want to bring this back around. 1 Samuel 18, 13. It says, Therefore Saul removed David, him David, from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. Like Saul couldn't stand this guy. He's jealous of him. The presence of the Lord is no longer on Saul. The presence of the Lord is on David. And in his jealousy, he makes him a commander. Like we know, probably know, Saul was trying to kill trying to kill David, but by putting him as a captain of the Lord's army. But what he inadvertently did was put him out in front of people who he would gain influence with and one day be their king. Out of jealousy. Only God can begin to work something for you, no matter how terrible you think your leader is, your manager is, your boss, your employer. When you just do the will of the Father and do as unto to the Lord Things just begin to work out, and your manager, your boss doesn't even know he's beginning to position you for influence. This is God's word. It takes trusting the Lord to get there. Hebrews 13, 18 and 19 says, And to whom did the, he swear that they would not enter his rest but those who did not obey? And he's talking about the Hebrew children trying to go into the promised land. Verse 19, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, if they had believed God, if they had trusted God that he's going to show up and he's going to do a miraculous work, then they would have obeyed. They would have believed. They would have done what he said to do. But because of their unbelief or their lack of faith, they were not obedient and therefore did not see this promised land. That's sad. So if they keep prospering, so the key, the key to prospering is the Lord's presence. The worship team, y'all can come on up. Is the, is, is the Lord's presence. And the key to the Lord's presence is obedience. Obedience attracts the presence of the Lord. Like, like he wants to be where he is honored, right? He wants to show up where he is honored. And where the obedience to his word is and his voice is, there's honor in that space. So he is attracted to that. Oh, the key to obedience is faith. What's the key to faith? Super simple. The key to faith is hearing the word, hearing the word. Oh, pastor, I don't like to read. Great news. There's Bible apps that read to you. Oh, pastor, I don't, I don't like to, I just can't do it. Well, great news. There's, there's messages that are on YouTube now. You can watch those. In fact, I encourage you, time and time, it, throughout the week, go back and listen to the week's message. Go back to listen to other series of this year. I assure you 100% that God will give you new revelation on the messages that are being spoken, no matter who the voice is on this platform, because you are here and God is taking us on a journey together. God is using what is done right here on this platform to speak into your life, to give you opportunity for obedience and faith, so your faith be increased so that you can actually be obedient, so his presence becomes upon you and your family, your marriage, your finances, your household, your career, your creative decisions for your workplace so that you may prosper. It is so good. It is so easy. I 
I just get in the Word. I, I, let, I let the Word that's being spoken from the platform challenge me or, or, or I'm listening to the Word or, or somebody that's just teaching the Word, not, not opinion, not thoughts, their own thoughts, not their own, hey, here's how you, here's how you just become a better person with no, no Bible, no, no verses to it, no word to it, no, the, no, no true doctrine to it. But I'm getting the word in me. My faith is increasing. How does that work? Because when decisions start to come my way and I've been meshed with the heart of God because the word of God is inside of me, my faith is increased because I'm making decisions that carry the heart of God into the scenario. And God is extremely concerned about every, every area of your life. Every category, God is in it. Every category God wants to be a part of, the decision-making. But it takes our hearts being meshed with Him through His Word so our faith can be increased. When our faith is increased, we can't help but to be obedient. And when we're obedient, His presence just comes into our lives, makes life and decisions making easier. And then He begins to prosper us because in reality, He's prospering His, his way, His kingdom, his, Himself in us and through us so that we can be a blessing to others. Boy, it's so simple. I just got to get this little thing out right here out of the way. I want to pray for you. Father, we just... pray for hearts that are willing to hear. Lord, I pray for hearts that are willing to hear your word to engage in your word, to meditate on your word, that revelation be given in those moments and those times, that, that faith be increased, that you will do and you can do and that you are going to do the very things that you say you will do. And Father, that, that obedient hearts and minds just begin to well up in the body of Christ to bring change into a hurting world. And Father, that your presence just comes upon your people because they have honoring and obedient hearts to what you are doing and what you are saying. And Father, when your presence is there, it's the fullness of blessing. And Father, I pray that you take your people from glory to glory as your promises say. And that everything truly be yes and amen. And that you prosper your people for the sake of being a blessing, not only to them, but to the lost and hurting world. If you're here today and you've yet to come to know this Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and like, I need, I need the presence of the Lord. I should encourage you today to just say this with me. Father, I thank you for sending your son to step into my place To give me healing, freedom, and salvation. Father, I repent for doing things my way. And I hand over control. And I ask for forgiveness today. And I, I, I confess. And I believe that you went to the cross for me. That you died and you were buried for three days. 
and you were raised again so that I may have life. And life more abundantly. Can I get an amen, somebody?